Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. Firstly, we'd like to start tonight with uh, thanking our sponsor of the Dog Talk, Dog Talk Live Q&As, Enduro, High Energy Food for Working Dogs with Real Kangaroo Meat for jumping on board and sponsoring our live Q&As. Tonight we are lucky enough to be speaking with Robert Johnson from Shady Acres Working Stock Dogs, um, who will be picking what he thinks is the best question from our live viewers and they all win a bag of Enduro Plus. Welcome, Robert. How have you been going? Yeah, everything's great. Thank you. And uh, good evening to every all the listeners. Good evening. Yes. Wow, that's great, mate. What would you get up to today, Robert? I had a day sitting on the tractor with the wind blowing like all billy I'd blow a dog off the chain, uh, mulching the, yeah. the, the cattle couldn't eat down. Yeah. And it was very dust, <laughs> very dusty. I hope you had your safety glasses on, mate. I had glasses on, but not safety glasses, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us a bit about yourself, um, your family, um, where, where are you from, what do you do? Yeah, I'm from Casino, or Tatum actually, which is between Casino and Korokai. Um, and yep. Lismore's only 20 minutes away too, so we're, we're nicely located. And 35 minutes from Evans Head at the beach, if we wanted to go that far. Oh, that's all right. Uh, I'm a married man of 49 years with my wife, Narelle. Uh, lucky woman. And she's been lucky. I, I reckon I've been real lucky to have somebody to be able to, to do the chores when I go away. Uh, yeah, we had three children, two girls and a boy. And, um, yeah, the, the naturally they're all grown up and got families of their own now. Um but uh, we're very, very proud of them all. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And what do you do with your days these days, Robert? Most of my days, uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays are taken up with people coming here to train their dogs. And, and uh, it keeps me motivated to make me work my dogs as well. Yep. Uh, these days I'm getting fairly uh, lazy at being motivated to go and work the dogs. So... If I've got somebody coming here, I've got to go and run the cattle in and the sheep in. So if I've got to do that, I'll, I might as well have some uh, competition for myself. Yeah. yeah. So that's what that's what I do. Um, I'm at the sale yards Wednesdays and Fridays. I'm a very, very much um, been a cattle dealer all my life. Now I class myself as a grazier. And I'm all the time buying cattle small enough for us to be able to work our dogs on. And then when they grow up, uh, I sell them as in-calf heifers. Uh, yep. Yeah. And uh, very rarely do I go to the sale and not come home with something. I'm always always <laughs> buying and selling, yes. Yes. What's the breed of choice, mate? Uh, at the moment, I've got a lot of speckled park cattle, um, but I've been finding that they're getting too – they get too they're quiet They're getting too lately. Yeah, and uh, they get yep. too quiet too quick. So I've had to go back to the Brahman, Brahman cross type cattle to have a little bit more activity to be able to keep my pups and everybody else's young dogs motivated. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, fantastic, man. Any, um, any sheep down there or up there rather as well or you purely just got cattle on, on your property? No, I've, I've only got a handful of sheep, uh, 12 senior sheep, and then I've got lambs that I've weaned that are on a feedlot. Um, just for our own use, or anybody else wants to eat one down the track. But um, yeah, you got to you got to have sheep for those pups that some of them are a little bit uh, standoffish when they're young, and you can get them a little bit more motivated if you've got them on sheep or something a bit smaller uh, than than putting them on cattle. Yeah. 
Well, what age would you like to start your younger dogs on on sheep and then transfer them to cattle? I'm lucky with the setup I've got here that my little my runs through the day, everything's penned up of the night, but through the day, five or six pups might run together in a, an acre block. And I've got seven of those acre one acre blocks. And then when I see the sheep going past and the pups are starting to run up and down the fence, chasing at the, at the sheep, you know they're ready to, to uh, start and do a little bit of the, the homework with. Yep. Um, although I have had pe people come in and say, I want to see that pup work. And they might only be four months old. Um, but yeah, nine dogs out of 10, they, they don't disappoint. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. And where'd your passion for dogs start? Where did my passion with the dog start? Is it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it started very, very young. I was a, um, a drover at Alstonville, which is near, very close to Ballina, and we had compulsory dipping in those days. And my dad used to dip for 30 different farmers, and they mm. might have two or three mobs, and that had to happen every 21 days. So by the time you finished the cycle, you were starting the cycle again, well, how that how that happened, mate? What well, compulsory dipping? How how did you talk us through it? How how did that happen? How does it happen? It yeah, how how did you do it? Well, uh, yeah, it's a plunge dip where the yep. cattle walk up a race and then they jump into a six foot six um, depth at one end and then it's like steps at the other end where they walk out once they've been had a plunge dip. Yeah, we they were what we call the Queensland tick and they didn't want them here on the north coast and they still don't want them um, and they've just about got them under control but every now and again we have an outbreak that keeps the uh, the local tick department um busy yeah but yep. all the all the cattle at the sale yards are always dipped even still yeah but uh yeah i i had a to go back to that question yeah, sorry mate yeah. uh, at probably eight year old when i used to help my dad do this dipping um, and you've just got to have a dog because you were driving the cattle four mile, three mile, whatever on the road. And uh, that's how I so I've had dogs all my life. And they were always in those days, red Kelpie dogs. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's how I started off. So this, this game was that it's only a new game to me because I've only been in it 18 years. Um, it doesn't, it sounds like a long while, but it, it's not, not when you talk to some of the old guys that have been in it for all their life sort of thing. Whereas I, I've been a drover, a muster, uh, cattle carer for on properties, whatever you might like to, to throw at me, I could do that. Uh, yeah. That, uh, what advice would you give to young people thinking of getting into that, into the farming industry? You know, it, 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 well, what do I think about young people getting into the industry? No, sir. What, what advice would you give to young people oh, start oh, that want to get into oh, the industry? Yeah. Look, for sure. Yeah. Don't be frightened to have a go. It, it's, it's a lifestyle all of its own. Uh, I'm 70 and I wouldn't have changed it for, a, for quids. I wouldn't want to live in the city. I uh, just enjoy going out and, uh, when I was a horse rider, I don't ride a horse anymore. My back won't let me. It's called mm -hmm. riding too many buck jumpers. And the more they used to pelt me, the more I wanted to ride them. And uh, I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it now. But look, for young people, uh, grab a dog, 
go along to somebody that, that knows a little bit about it and they'll get you on the right track to um, get you motivated. Once you, once you, it gets in the blood, I can tell you, it gets in this dog trialing gets in the blood. Um, when I was right into it four or five years ago, I was doing 38, 33 to 38 trials a year. Uh, yeah. You've got to you've got to have a good wife at home to do the chores. <laughs> I can tell you, <laughs> yeah, um, because I was never at home for a weekend. Or if I went to Queensland, I might stop up there for three weeks and do seven, four, four or five trials while I was up there. You know, so uh, yeah. and that's how it gets in the blood. Yeah, you, your mechanic would have loved you as well, putting all those uh, cases in the car. You've got you've got to you, you've got to have your vehicle in good order. Because a, yeah. lot of the, a lot of the driving was done uh, like Claremont, Emerald, um, Springshore, all those places away up in Queensland. Nearly 14 hours for me driving up. Well, going up's all right. I used to take two days. I'd go as far as Roma and stop and then go right on through the next day. But coming home, I'm like a bear with a sore head. Once I turn for home, I'm coming. And uh, <laughs> if I get a, bit, get a bit weary, I just pull over on the side of the road. Nobody would touch you because you've got dogs on board and have a sleep for an hour, hour and a half. And yep. You'll hear the dogs rattling or you say, oh, it must be time to go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, so how growing up has the type of work influenced what you do with this? Um, how has the type of work you did as a kid and now changed the way and what you look for in a dog? It... it um, they're two different types of dogs, what I was looking for. In that mm -hmm. younger day, I was always looking for something that that had that bit of um, speed, that wanted to get out to the front, block the mob, block a gateway, and have a bit of bite about it. Whereas with this game, I'm looking for that more placid type pup. Uh, and that's why I'm saying it's they're two different horses for courses. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for that pup that um, wants to be with me. I really, really like that. That's a big must is you walk in the pen and the first one to come over to you and stops with you, whether you're feeding it or not. That's, that's the pup that really wants to do and please you. And, and really the whole game is the dog's got to like you and you've got to like the dog. It's a team effort. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't like the shy pups. I um, I find they're too too temperamental, and they make really good pets if I get them. I don't very yep. often get them because I'm very selective as to what I breed, when I breed. Um, I might only breed two litters a year. Um, there'll be more this year, but only because I'm frightened one old bitch is going to stop mm -hmm. breeding at any stage, and I want to yep. get another litter of pups out of it. But uh, yeah. Um, the pup, the, the pup selection is, is very, um, yeah, um, it makes you think as to what you want. And if you rang me and said, I wanted a pup to live in town, that's not going to need a lot of walking and whatever. I'd say, oh yeah, I picked the doughiest one that's laying around in the kennel. It's not up and motivated. And you'll find out nine times out of 10, that makes a beautiful pet. For anyone if they happen to want that sort of thing and then they're really good for that uh, endurance testing and, and um, those competitions of the night that they put the uh, dogs to mm -hmm. uh, yeah they the, the agility 
that's the one that's the yeah. one i was looking for uh, they're very very good at that very very good at it and pick it up very quickly which what, what, which which you would expect because that's why most of my young dogs are broke in at eight months old nine months old they're ready for competition yeah. what do you what type of dog are you breeding for, trying to breed for yourself uh, i need that middle of the road quiet a placid dog that can walk up to cattle, walk up to sheep or goats and do the whole three jobs at, with the one dog. I know it's, I still haven't got the perfect dog for it, but I, it's what I'm aiming for. Um, the old saying is you only ever get one good dog in your lifetime. And all I can say to anyone is we, yeah, we, we do only get one good dog in our lifetime because that's the only dog we take to work. We don't go and get the second best dog or the third best dog. We keep taking yeah. the main dog. And if, you, that's a good point. and if you every now and again left that good dog behind and used the second dog or the third dog as much as what you use your good dog, it'd be as good as the first dog. So that it, it is a bit of an old, old fad that you only ever get one good dog in your lifetime. And, and that just depends how much time you want to put in on that one good dog, you know. And yeah. I, I, I would reckon I would have three, if not four dogs here that I could just go and put my fingers on and do any job with because I don't take the same dog every time. But if I'm training a pup, which the books will tell you, don't train an, a pup with an older dog, um, that's... That might be so if your older dog hasn't got any brains or, or um, isn't a good cattle dog or a good sheep dog or whatever. But if you've got something that's been the Australian champion twice or three times, uh, <laughs> I don't see why you can't use him to be there to um, teach that. <laughs> We've all got that. one of them at home. <laughs> <laughs> what, you all got a good one, have you? No, um, two-time Australian champion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think um, so. You you had a bit of an incident there after you won the Tamworth um, event, and do you want to talk a bit about that? And where I'm going with that is, um, you know, you've had some dogs come on board since then. Um, so if you obviously weren't spending time with the other dogs, you know, you would have only had that one good dog. That's that's correct. It's correct, but it's it's amazing which dogs will put their hand up at a different event. Like I always had six, maybe eight dogs that I go away to a trial with, and you might get bad cattle. And it, once again, it's 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 all in the luck of the drawer of the three head of cattle you get. That's a start. Uh, but regardless of that. You've got to have a dog that can listen, can obey, can do what you want so that one day he'll put his hand up and say, pick me, pick me, it's my day. And that's what happened at Tamworth. It was the very first trial they'd run at Tamworth. Uh, it was a big thing that could have really set the whole lot of our dog trial, as in sheep trialling, as in uh, cattle dog trialling. It could have set us... Um, yeah, I don't know how high we could have went, but we could have could have went places in a big way. We put the country um, on the map. Yep, yep. And um, anyway, there was a lot of dogs in it. Was I look? I'd only be guessing. I think it was something like 180 dogs in the event, and they did a third round, 
did a first round, a second round, and then a third round. And out of the top 60, I had four dogs in the top 60. And then they got to the top 20. And I, I'm not sure, I think I only had three in the top 20. And then when it came down to the dead set final uh, and placings, I had three dogs in the placings up to, uh, up to 10th place. So I, I'd had a pretty fair trial. Uh, there were some very, very good dogs there. Um, the very first run I had was with a bitch I had a lot of time for. And you cut me off if I'm carrying on too much. But, You're right. Uh, I became so overcome uh, going into that big stadium at, um, at Tamworth. Mm. And then they said it was on live stream. And uh, the lump in my throat was so big that I'd never been filmed or videoed or anything like that. And um, I couldn't even talk to the dog. I, all I could do was whistle to her or if she'd known it was a problem. And I wasted that whole run on that one good bitch because of being overcome uh, by that event. You know, it was just meant so much to us to even just be there. And uh, then... Then the next run from then on, it just fell into place. It was just part of the normal go. But uh, that's how you can become overcome. Um, and you've just got to try and get around that. And people say, oh, wouldn't, you wouldn't have a worry in the world. But that one did. I don't mind being honest about it either. It, it <laughs> did, did get to me, yes. But, um, it was really good to, um, to run first with that. That young dog, that young dog only lived another three months after we got home. He got bitten with a snake and went down to help the neighbour. And uh, he went in to block a, a bull that was in the wrong spot. And he must have, as he hit the dog, the bull on the nose, there must have been a big, big black snake there right at the spot. And got him right on the nose. And um, I had him at the vet in no time at all. But they said because it was on, up on the nose, it went straight to the head. And um, he would have been never been any good had they survived him. Yeah. But, right. yeah. But anyway, then I kept his brothers and his sisters and they've all been good. And, um, yeah, and they've both been the ones that have been the Australian champions. Uh, but their grandmother, no, their mother before them, she was the first one to, to put me right on the map in the year 2012. Um, we went up to do four trials in Queensland. And I was doing no good whatsoever. Couldn't even get in the final. I had my son-in-law there and said to him, I think we might miss the last trial, the, the next one at Springshaw. It's the uh, Queensland Championships and yeah. the Australian Championships. I think we might miss it. We might go home. And he said, oh, you never know your luck. Never know your luck. And I went there and won it uh, <laughs> at 11, 11 o'clock at night. So... Uh, <laughs> It was pretty good, yeah. It was pretty good. Uh, it was a very easy drive home, I can tell you. Yeah. Do you want to go about questions from Danny? Um, yeah, we had a question come through from Danny Kerr. Um, how much training do you do per week leading up to the trial? And do you back off training or do you increase training um, when it comes closer? I, I only try, uh, practiced or trained dogs uh, twice a week which is Thursdays and Saturdays when there's somebody here. The same dog wouldn't get worked on Thursday that gets worked on Saturday. 
uh, only because I've got so many of them. And my senior dogs, once they are seniors, uh, I hate to say this, but they don't get worked at all. <laughs> they don't yeah. get warmed up. They don't get tuned up. They might go for everything goes for a 5K run of an afternoon. The whole lot, 28 dogs go for a run altogether. Uh, going out, they're allowed to play up, go in front, do whatever they like. But coming home, I get off the bike, I crack the whip, and they've got to be behind the bike all the way home. Uh, that's part of where their education comes. And my senior dogs, look, unless they do something wrong at a trial that I think that just needs a tuner, they, they, they might help me with a pup or two up in the trial arena, but that's as far as it goes. Um, and twice a week, I wouldn't think about going and, and just working on my own up there and working young dogs. I know that sounds bad, but uh, that's me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like to think that uh, my dogs don't need that much work um, to improve. Sometimes you give them a fortnight off. It, it's that you can see the benefit of giving them, giving them dogs a fortnight off. But if I was to go down and bring that 28, 30 head in, I might take a different dog each time I go down there to do that. And that's, that's part of educating them to a different style of work so that you, if you want to sell them, you can. And I do like that Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's another question coming in from Tracy Huxtable. What kind of things do you look for in your dogs that you feel make better trial dogs? Okay, well, first first of all, uh, I, I like that, that pup that is easy to approach when you go in to feed your pups. You walk in, you put your feed down, you say, wait, and you won't let them touch the feed. The, the one that sort of stands right back, you know they're just a little bit timid, but the one that dives in, they're going to be a little bit more rougher um, and more for the paddock out in the, in the big world, as I call it. That dog that's just that wants to be there, but it's not going to push in too hard, uh, they're the ones I pick out. And, and it's mainly just because of their temperament, the way they come in. Because trial dogs, I don't want something that's going to be biting at the wrong time. I like them to bite, but only when I tell them to. If I say yeah. push, that, that's a, a license for them to be able to give, a, give them a run, or run along, you know. But um, apart from that, I'll just say that'll do. And, and they'll just work out again or, or say keep out. And they'll kick out again away from the cattle to give them a bit of room so that cattle have got time to think about where they're going or what they're up to. Um, but picking a pup has got a fair bit to do with it. And, um, and yeah, and then an, another part of picking a pup is make sure they're properly wormed. Jeez, it's it's uh, too easy to take worms home and then two or three days you'll find the pup's dead with roundworm or hookworm. Uh, it's yep. a big problem, uh, particularly anywhere here on the coast. You, you should do them every fortnight until they're three months old. Then after that, you can back off a little bit. But, um, yeah, worming them is a big, big thing. Yeah, there's been a lot of people uh, ringing out and saying, oh, geez, I hope your pups are wormed. I've lost the one I paid a lot of money for. Them. And yeah. everybody is paying a, a fair bit of money for pups these days. So you you want to make sure you've got the right care done 
as in vaccinations and in worming. Does if you could bring another... Does Sorry? that answer that question good enough? Oh, I think you got there, yeah, especially I think um, around temperament was your, was your biggest attribute that, that you think. And, mm. and speaking of, is there something, if there's an attribute that you'd like to bring into your dogs, um, is there something that you, you'd like to bring into them or are you happy with how they are or? No, I'm, no. I'm trying to bring in, and I, I'm only getting a smidgen of it every now and again, is that front foot bite. Yep. Where the dog, the, if the beast puts their head a bit high, which some Brahmin cattle will put their head, that the dog will bite the front foot instead of trying to jump up high and grab grab a, a nose or an ear. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to get all my dogs to have that front foot bite. And um, it, it's something for me to work on, but I've got a touch of it, but only a touch of it, yeah. Why would you like a bit more of it? Uh, I believe that's as good as biting a beast on the nose. Um, sometimes you get a better direct turn if you're at an obstacle, say, in, in the trial arena. And it, it's, it's not as um, uh, deliberate roughness. It's, it's just that dainty little bite on the front which makes them turn away from, from the way the dog is. Uh, the, the, the best thing is the dog that's got that straight walk up and doesn't even touch them, just got that straight walk up and the cattle think, oh, he's going to bite me, I'll move <laughs> away from him. And he doesn't even get there, you know what I mean? So just has that presence about him. That's got that presence and that's that's the word I love using. But uh, uh, Narelle says, you back off using that tonight. Got <laughs> <laughs> to do what the boss says, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I really do like that dog that can walk straight in a straight line and then yep. when you say stop, and then he just stands there and stares at him, and they walk straight away from him. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, that is brilliant. Yeah. Yep. But, we actually got a um, question here from um, Karen Higgins, and um, do you think that front uh, foot bite depends on the breed of cattle um, that you've got as well, or that you're maybe working, or? Yeah, not you. So much? Yeah. You wouldn't want a lot of it if you were working cows and calves because the dog would get hurt badly. Yep. Yeah, I, I believe, yeah, um, it's horses for courses. And, uh, yeah, if you had just the dog mainly for cow and calf work, um, you probably wouldn't want it as predominant in your breed as, as what I'm sort of looking for. Um, yeah, it, I, I'd say that would be the case because uh, cows, cows and calves, they're very, very hard on dogs, as we know. And I don't like um, I don't like any dogs I sell to go straight to cow and calf work until they're three year old, because yep. I think it, I think it um, yeah takes takes the good out of your dog, breaks their heart too early, uh, teaches them how to tail turn, how to cross, um, all those sorts of all those sorts of little habits that you don't want. Yeah. And, and do you think that's just purely feeling the pressure of a young dog that might not be maturely sound in the head yet? Oh, most, cert most certainly there. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've hit the nail right on the head there because... I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they... Um, uh, but once they've got that little maturity about three-year-old, they sort of can handle it pretty well. Uh, yep. The only time I would use a dog that was, say, coming up towards two-year-old, I would make sure he had a senior dog with him. Yep. 
And that way they always feel as though they can go back in and have another go. Whereas if they're on their own, they're the boss and, and they get hurt or trampled first straight up. It makes them weary. And uh, then next thing you'll notice that you've got a tail turn on your hand and one, one tail turn becomes two tail turns. And yeah, it's, it's, and then that is the hard part is to try and get them out of that. That is the hard part. So if you can get away from it to start with, well, then you don't have to worry about that particular problem. That's right. That's, that's why I sack myself at trials. If I go there and the cattle aren't easy to get on with and I've got a younger dog out there, I'll just pull my hat off. Thanks, Judge. I'm out of here. Uh, yep. Because those, those, those little bad habits that they get at a trial, it, it might take you six months to get, get them out of that when you go home. And mm. so you're better to call it quits beforehand and, and uh, not let that be a problem. Like you don't have to win every trial you're in. We'd like to. We'd like to win every trial, but, but um, it just does not happen. It does not happen. The day you leave home and think you're going there to win a trial, you might as well have stopped at home. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's what I say to my workers, my trialers that come here for training days and whatever. Don't ever think that you can't be beaten on the day because you can. You only could get, um, get three bad beasts and you would be beaten, yeah. So talk, talking about um, having, um, you know, people that come out and training, is there anyone that you particularly modelled the way you train or handle a dog or work cattle or trial cattle around? Odd, oh, most, most, most definitely how, how you start them off. Um, and that's why I won't break dogs in for you. You could ring me up, Daniel, and beg me to break a dog in for you. I wouldn't. But I'd say to you, you come out to my place on Thursday or Saturday, whatever day suits you, yep. at half past nine, and uh, I'll show you exactly how to get that dog started. And I'll have one of my good dogs there. I'll let you go out first and show me what your pup can do. And then I'll have one of my better ones there so that I don't have to walk too far if they break up and split away and my dog will hold them and then st stop where I tell it to stop until I tell it to move again. And that way we can, we can teach the people where to be at what time with their dogs. Yep. And that is the biggest thing is I mean, teaching, teaching the people where to be. Yeah. Yep. And, and was there someone that you modeled yourself on um, as you, when you got into trolling? I did, I did know the man and I put a lot of cattle out for him as a young fellow. And was, his name was Les Armstrong and everybody knows Les Armstrong. Or, and if they don't know him, they'd have read about it or they'd have um, uh, seen his dog bloodlines somewhere along the line. And he, he was one of those sort of men. He could go to a sheep trial yesterday, then turn up at a cattle trial today with the same dogs and didn't matter how bad the cattle were, he could just seem to put them around. He was just just a natural at it. He was a wizard at it, yeah. And uh, uh, he'd, he'd turn up at Lismore Show. He'd have 14 or 15 dogs in his ute. He'd make them get out of the ute, have a run right around the whole trotting track. Then he'd sit them in a circle. Then he'd let three sheep out of, or three or five sheep out of the horse float and they'd keep the, the sheep in the middle of those 15 dogs or whatever dogs he had there, and he'd ask one dog at a time to get up 
and move them out of the square and then and try and work them in between all the, the dogs sitting down on the ground. You know, that's that's what a wizard he was. Uh, I do a little bit of Bangalore show, uh, uh, Cuyahoga show. I did a couple of demonstrations and, mate, I'm not even in the same class as what he was. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to be because I haven't got that sort of time to put in on it. Yeah. But, um, Amazing. It's, yeah, it was just, he was an unmarried man just live with his dogs and live for his dogs and, mm. and uh, that's how he got the results there's no doubt about that yeah they, they wouldn't nag him about washing dishes of a night time mate they'd just uh, be happy that they got fed <laughs> yeah that's it right there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so personally for you what do you get out of running your training schools like what's the kicker what what do i get out of it yeah what personally like um, how do you feel and that sort of stuff? I don't, I don't cha charge if that's what you're you're getting at. No, so what's the kicker? What what what's how's the running the schools? What's the personal um, satisfaction for you? Oh oh, dead set when you see them <laughs> turn up to a trial, and and uh, they're doing really really well in a trial, or the the young dogs uh, come through a problem that you've been working on it at your practice days yeah um, and and we do we work on it one another and uh, we might have five or eight blokes here and we're all sitting up in the grandstand watching one another and then i'll walk down rather than embarrass them i'll walk down in the middle of the arena and i'll say just stop your dog there for a bit and tell them where they went wrong and while i'm standing there i'll say now would you do that again for me now and then I go back and I tell the boys what what I've told him, and they all learn from that too. Uh, I don't charge a red cent for it. Yep. I have never charged anyone to come to my place, and it will never start that I'll charge anyone. But yeah, I get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing people go to trials that come to my place, uh, particularly if their dogs. Well, some of them won't switch on until they've sort of eighteen months old, um, and then when all of a sudden you'll see that the penny has dropped it's it's great yeah it really is great and uh, even if they beat me in a final I, I think that's good um yeah and is is there something that you'd um you'd like to see change in the way people handle or where, where do you think most people can improve oh i reckon anyone that's in the game they love their dogs to tears and and that's that's the best part about it is you've got to really enjoy your animal, enjoy being with it. Uh, when we camp away, um, yeah, you'll see blokes, they'll, they'll take their dog for four walks a, a day. Uh, yep. A lazy bloke like Robert will only take his dogs twice, but I take the whole <laughs> lot in one go. Uh, yeah. I don't take one at a time. They don't get one hands on one at a time. Uh, I take the whole lot. Might have, as I said, sometimes I've got eight dogs, sometimes I've got ten. Um, I used to have a dozen, but that's there's no joy in it once you've got that many dogs. It's too much work. And uh, But um, look, as for people, what they could do to improve, uh, it's, it's mainly just keeping your dogs warm, keeping them clean of, of uh, these with these vaccinations, the same as we've got to do now with COVID. We've got to have these vaccinations kept up to date um, because 
it, it is a very cruel death, I'm led to believe, by the vets if they mm. get uh, these parvo and all these others that can come through. I've seen cattle die with black leg and whatever, and and, and that's a very cruel death. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, but, but um, as far as uh, the looking after, everybody's got cages now. Uh, there's no dogs tied loose on the back that they can fly over the back and hang while they're going along. Yeah. And, you know, that sort of thing, which used to happen. It did happen. Yeah. But um, now everything's in the cage, weatherproof. So they don't, if it's raining, they're not getting wet. Uh, 10, no, 10, yeah, 10 or 12 years ago, my dogs weren't even covered. You know, they, they were yeah. in a cage, but they weren't even covered. At, um, uh, when you're driving home and you had a storm, went through a storm, the poor buggers, they were, they were wet. There's no doubt about that. But now they've got, they've got a motel now. Yeah. yeah. I might need to sleep in the back of your ute one day. <laughs> it sounds like um, you've actually got a lot of compassion for not just dogs but animals in general. And um, you, you think the way they're looked after is, is a big point of you know, looking after your dogs and they'll look after you is probably the message I'm getting from you. That, that's, that, that is the big thing. Yeah, if you look after them, they look after you. Um, make sure their pens are always clean. And um, I, don't, I don't wash out every day, but I, I certainly muck out every day. The pens are always clean for them. You get yep. a, few, a few dirty ones. Well, they go into a different area that uh, where it's a bit easier just to squirt the hose in and, and clean out. Uh, I, I wish they were all clean, but mm -hmm. you can't have all your dogs that way. Yeah. Good um, question here for Marie McKillop. She says, what's your favourite trial and why? My favourite trial? My favourite trial would have to be Bonalbo. Yeah. Bonalbo show trial or Bonalbo trial itself. They have two trials a year up there. The gentlemen up there always present cattle that uh, are not man shy and you know, if, if you're going to do extremely well and get big scores, that's where it will be. It will be Bonalbo uh, Showground. And I've been going there for a lot of years and um, been doing doing quite well up there too. But I do get beaten, but um, I've had 98s and 97s and still not win it. So, uh, yep. you know, uh, it, it, it is a good trial and great atmosphere. And... But there is a lot of good trials. I, I probably shouldn't have just picked that one out, but it came straight to mind. There was no having to think twice about it. Um, just always enjoy it. Oh, I always enjoy it. That's for sure. Uh, put up a few gazebos and we all sit in underneath it and uh, mm -hmm. tell fibs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Another question here from Danny Kerr. In Queensland, are cattle broken um, to dogs before trialling? Nowadays, yes, they are. Um, yep. Most of them, most of the people try to do the right thing because they realise we're travelling a lot of distances now uh, to go to these trials. Not that we've done much in the last 18 months because uh, we've not been able to get into Queensland or vice versa. But, um, yeah, it's... it's um, the, cat, the cattle 10 years ago... Um, didn't have quite the preparation put to them that the boys are doing now. And so what does that preparation sort of involve? 
Um, it, it means make sure that the cattle aren't man shy, as in uh, you've got to get those cattle within oh, three metres of you to be able to get them through the obstacle at, at the trials. And so if those cattle are man shy and looking at you, it's all right to have one. You might be able to hide it in between the other two. But um, if you get them all, they're a bit man shy. You, you, you're sort of hitting your head against the brick wall trying to get them through the obstacles or get them anywhere as far as that goes. And that's why uh, if you're going to travel 14 hours to go to a trial, uh, you don't want your dog getting stampled either because mm. those dogs are starting to become very, very worthwhile in, in, in money-wise now. Uh, I uh, just can't believe that it's taken this long really. Because, you know, when I was a young fella growing up, we didn't even buy young pups off people. They'd give them to you, you know. Yep. And that went on for a lot of years. I mean, a lot of years. And it, it's only here in the last... Well, I, I probably believe it's only in the last two years since COVID came into it that dogs have... People have really worked out what dogs are worth uh, because they'll go to work no matter what's going on, what, what the weather is. They won't put up their hand and say, no, we're too tired to go to work today. We played up yesterday or anything. Um, they're always there and, and they're always wanting to be in the ute to go with you to work. And I think people have realised now that they're their best friend. They're their best friend. Um, the only place I won't let a dog is in the yard because I believe that's a good recipe to get hurt is if you've got a dog in the stockyard with you. I, I tie mine up. Uh, only for the simple reason I like working with myself. I can step aside, step aside if I want. And if you've got a dog behind you, you might get stepped on, yeah, by a beast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. How often do your dogs call in sick for work, mate? My dogs don't call in sick for work. No. <laughs> so the value of them's um, the value of them's up there, and it's about time people start to see that, right? That's exactly what we're just about trying to say. Yes, is hundred um, percent. Uh, make make a friend out of your dog. I sent one away there yes, yesterday and I rang the bloke and I said, now you make sure you make a good mate of this dog. He'd never had a dog before in his life. I said, you make a good mate of him. Then go down the paddock one afternoon and just do a little job that doesn't matter if it goes pear-shaped. Just be out and enjoy the job, time being with that young dog. And then when you're finished, give him a good pat and say, come on, mate, let's go home. And I said, in that way, you'll build up a good relationship. But if you go down and try to do an important job first up and things go pear-shaped and you start to take a dislike for that dog, you'll never rebuild that confidence in that dog ever. And I've seen it time and time again. So you've got to spend that little bit of time early when you get your dog first up just to make sure that you uh, have bonded with the dog properly and then you go and do that job that's not important. And um, that, that's a big plus. It is a big plus. Yeah, cool, mate. We've got, we've got a few questions that have just rolled in here all at once. I'm going to ask Laura to see them because I've had a big day and I've got my glasses with me. Um, we've had one come in through from Dave Motley. What are some useful tips to young people starting out in dogs, mainly in relation to selecting dogs that suit them for both work and trialling? It's, it's very, very hard to get a young dog that you can do paddock work with and then at the weekend expect him to go to a trial 
and be successful at a trial? I hope that's the way you, you've read that question out. Yeah. It just wasn't real clear. Yeah. Um, and I'll go back a little bit to explain this. When I was minding a property, I had two teams of dogs. I had my mustering dogs and I had my uh, trial dogs. Yeah, dogs. I travelled, yeah. My, and and um, the only time I took my trial dogs was if I knew I was only going to pull a few heifers into the yard or a few steers into the yard that wasn't going to knock them about just to give them something different to do. Uh, but apart from that, uh, no, I had my, my two different teams of dogs and one of them was a red Kelpie. There we go. I'm for all the Kelpie guys out there. I, I like got, it. I got a smile in for you, Eddie. You did, mate. You did. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not dog racist, mate. I'll have a crack at anything. Uh, yeah, but yeah, um, <laughs> well, we, I was, as I said, I read Kelby Man all my life, right up until 18 years ago. I've only been in the Border Collie game 18 years, and um, yeah, but I, I couldn't couldn't go back. I, I don't believe I have a few Kelpies come here for practice days or training days, and nah, they're just too quick for me now, too fast. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they want the job done before breakfast. Whereas the border collie don't care if it takes the lunchtime. That's the best way of explaining yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Bit bit easier for your patients these days. Yes, that's that's it, right? Yeah, and and I like that dog that you're not yelling at, whether it's a border collie or what. I, I that dog that you got to yell at all the time. That every now and again he's got to override you. Um, they're not much good for my patients, I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> I usually try but, to. Um, Usually try that to particular dog. Like... Sorry, mate, you go. I usually try to find somebody who wants a good mustering dog, and that's where that one goes. Yeah, yeah. I think that question might um, that might roll into the next question we've got here from Josh Parker. It's, Hi, Robert. What advice would you give to a disabled person in an action track chair to get into working sheepdog trials? I wish I, I could answer that. Yeah, no, you haven't lost me. I had to think about that. I wished I could answer that <laughs> because I'm not actually a sheep trialer uh, and I know only one person that's in a wheelchair and he works cattle. Um, I don't know how I would answer that one. You would probably want a dog that was very uh, faithful, very loyal um, yep. because that's what that's what it would be like yeah, in a, in a, a wheelchair, you'd have to have something that wants to be beside you um, and responds easy, like with a soft whistle mm -hmm. to come back or a, or, a, or a soft whistle to kick round. Uh, yeah, so I've only done three 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 sheep trials in my whole lifetime, and that was uh, only six months ago because I thought, oh, well, there's no cattle trials on, I'll go and try a few sheep trials. And I did three of them, but I've got a lot to learn, I can tell you. I, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd ever make a professional out of it. In fact, I'm sure I would never make a professional <laughs> out of it, yeah. I, I think um, what you were saying there about having the, a pliable dog with a great temperament, we, we were talking about just before I asked that question, I think that's the type of dog um, that, that you explained that would suit someone in that situation. Um, I, I can only imagine, you know, um, it, um, Josh would uh, want a dog there that really wants to work for him and be his best mate and not going to want to run over him all the time. 
That's correct. <laughs> yeah, you've answered that question nicely for me, Daniel. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you, you don't want that dog that's going at 100 mile an hour. He, he wants that middle of the road dog, that soft, soft going dog. Yes. Yeah. And, and, it, and it wouldn't be hard to pick one out either. No. Yeah, you mentioned three sheep trialling there before. What are the big differences that you found between the three sheep trialling and the cattle trialling? Other than obviously the stock, but yeah. Oh, it, it's just more challenging. Um, the best way I can explain it is uh, I can read cattle. I certainly can't read sheep. Uh, and they move so much quicker uh, because when I come out at Stanthorpe, I said to the judge, I thought I was going all right for a little while. And I said, and everything went pear-shaped. He said, you've got to learn to shut your mouth. <laughs> In other words, let the dog do a fair bit of the thinking for itself. Yeah. And um, it, it worked. The next time I went out with the other dog, yeah, you, you just, you've got to let them balance off the sheep naturally themselves rather than, uh, than trying to tell them all the time. Yeah. Whereas, whereas uh, that's, that's the way I try to work with the cattle. And that's why I tell my, my tri trialers and people that come here to learn, try not to tell your dog every step of the way because you don't want to make a press button dog out of it. You want it to yep. think for itself. Um, yeah, because if you went out in the trees, just say you did have to go out and do a job unexpectedly, that dog might not be able to see where you are, but it can hear where you are either on the horse or on the bike. You want it to use its own common sense. All right, we're going to bring these cattle back to where the boy, the bike is, or where the horse is, and uh, you, because you can't see where it's up to. So that's that's why you don't really want a press button dog. Every now and again, you've got to learn how to shut your mouth and just use a bit of sign language. Yep. Actually, um, Jacob Ryan has asked: um, Do you find stronger heading dogs or weaker heading dogs make better cattle dogs, um, and which do you prefer and why? Um, the perfect dog is the one that's got the three bites, the nose, the front foot and the heel. But I really like that dog that can go hard to the nose and, and then be prepared to give a little bit of ground once he's done the block up work. Yep. Um, that, that dog that, um, that only half goes there, he's really, really hard to make him go right to the front and then walk in or, or come straight in and hit and then, then give ground. If they give ground, then they're giving the beast time to think to turn around. Whereas if they keep hitting hard, then the beast will go over top of them and it all goes pear-shaped very quickly, very quickly, yeah. But um, uh, yeah, that that's, you've, you've got to have a good lead dog. There's no doubt about that. And they make a real good trial dog because they're all the time wanting to be at 11 o'clock or one o'clock um, and that's, that is probably the hardest part is putting your sides on your dog to get them to 11 o'clock and one o'clock, um, at your trial, because on, on the near side, it's not so bad. It's on the, I mean, on the offside, it's not so bad on the near side. The dog's a bit inclined to say, Hey, Hey boss, that's your side. You look after that side, you know? So yep. You've got to try and make sure that that dog comes right around to you at 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock, no matter, no matter which side of the obstacle you're standing, 
because he can't just keep saying, well, no, that's your side. You've got to help me do that. And they will. They will. Uh, a real good dog will tell you that. Oh, no, that's your side, boss. Yeah. What do you feel is your um, greatest achievement um, so far in within working dogs? Probably, I, I'm not one for patting myself on the back and uh, never have been. I can talk to you all day and won't tell you how good my dogs are, but I'll listen to how good your dogs are. But I've been the, the, the New South Wales handler for seven years straight. I missed it this year. Um, and I class that as being very consistent. There was never a dog, might have been Jimmy might have won it twice for me, um, but I was the handler for the seven years straight. And I, I think there were six different dogs to that. And, you know, that's a pretty fair effort. I to, so. to be New South Wales uh, handler of the year for seven years in a row. Yeah. Absolutely. And were they all dogs you bred? Oh, definitely. Yep. Uh, actually, no, tell Fib, one came from Robin Sherwood right up on the top end of Queensland. Yeah, and that came from uh, Robin Sherwood bred it and Stan Dunkley, who was a very, very good friend of mine early, early, early in the piece. Um, he gave the dog to me. He said, I can't keep it at home. Will you take it? And, um, yeah, it was a big battle, but we, we got her and uh, she, she was a real good bitch, yes. Real good bitch. What did you like about her? What I liked about her was she didn't have to bite, just her presence. She walked up yeah. and um, and they, the cattle just automatically bent off her. So therefore she didn't have to be rough with her. But if I said push, um, then she'd give me a little, little nip on the heel or, or up the front if I said block or hit them. Hit them means they're allowed to go 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 hard at it. Um, that's what she'd do, and she was probably one of the, one of the better ones I had in that that department. Yeah, that no, ne never true. never bred on. She couldn't breed breed the same as, as good as what she was. Yeah. Oh really? That's a shame. Oh, it happens. It happens. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um. Um, you're talking actually, it just sparked me then. Um, you talked before about, you know, the dogs that you've been successful with that you've bred over um, for the last seven years while you've won New South Wales Handle of the Year and then this particular bitch couldn't breed on. So what was where's the consistency, you think, within the dogs that you were breeding yourself? Probably I was a little more selective with the size I used with my own bitches. Yep. Um, and that's why I love judging a, a dog trial. It makes you sit there and study that dog, study that dog, mm. and you might judge him three or four times in the year and you can see whether he's a consistent worker. Then you try to find out whether he's a consistent breeder, whether yep. he breeds on what his progeny are like. And uh, that's, that's, yeah, I, I am, I am very, very fussy as to what sire I use. Very, very fussy. And, uh, and I, I probably didn't put enough thought into it, even though it was my own dog at one stage I put over that particular bitch. It just didn't, didn't work. It didn't match. Yeah. And, and that happens. That happens to the best of us. I don't care how good you are. 
there'll always be a, a lot of uh, uh, pups somewhere along the line that you don't, um, yeah. So are you mainly trialling bitches then? Uh, I, I would have, had I still been going, I would have had six bitches and only one dog. <laughs> but, but because of COVID, now everybody that's buying dogs off me, they've got to be a bitch. Everybody wants bitches. So yep. I've got I've got five dogs here at the moment that if I was going to a trial tomorrow, I'd have probably six dogs in dog pups <laughs> in my a dog a dogs in my uh, ute. So um yeah, but yeah, I do like females, especially when you camped away, uh, mainly for cleanliness. Yep. Uh, the, you let them out, they're not going to wee on somebody's wheel and mm. get you into trouble. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing, or wee on somebody's camp, the tent, and, mm. and, and you know, that can cause problems. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> My pet peeve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, that, and, and bitches seem to be easier to teach. I remember when I first started, I started with a bitch and and a, a gentleman said to me, oh, Robbie, if you're going to be any good, mate, you've got to have male pups, male dogs. You've got, to have, you've got to have male dogs. And I went right through nearly for a long while before I had a male dog, even up in the in the race. But, yep. um, yeah, somewhere along the line, you've got to have a male dog if you want to start doing your own breeding. Yeah. Can you um, trial a bitch on heat in cattle trials? Yes, you can. Okay, cool. Yeah, in yard yeah, trials, yeah, you can't. Not, not legally. Not, le not legally, you can't. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Not legally, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it does happen. It yeah. does happen. Um, and, yeah, yeah. like if you've only got one or two dogs and you're going to a trial, oh, my bitch might be coming on season. You, you just keep her away from everybody else and do your own thing. And yet <laughs> if you go sheep trialling, you're allowed to take them. Yeah, in yard trolling, um, you you can't troll a bitch in heat, but in three sheeping you can, yeah. 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 So do you um do you find I find if I even try to trial one of my bitches when they're in season, they they do my head in a bit because I find them a bit more temperamental and not thinking straight sometimes. You um you come across that at all within your pack? I can't say I have. Yeah. Um, but it, that that sort of says I'm guilty of of doing the job, you know. So, but yes, yeah, yeah. But there is the time that you can take a bitch to a trial and not be sure that she's on season. Mm -hmm. I went to a trial and won with the bitch and then come home that afternoon and she took the dog unbeknownst to me. Yeah. That, uh, that very afternoon and I'd had her at the trial all day and she won the trial. So, you know, it, it happens and it, it does happen, yeah. And uh, I, it, the, the trial even sticks in my head that it was Almara trial. So, you know... <laughs> That's how things stick in your head, yeah. Yeah, fancy, fancy me taking a bitch there that was on season. Didn't know till I got home, yeah. Yeah. I personally find um, if I'm trial, whether it's trolling or going and just working one of my dogs at a mate's place or whatnot, I can generally tell when one of my bitches are going to come into season because they, they're just off a bit, um, whether they might go a bit off me or yeah, I, I just put them back in the ute because I don't want to get in a fight with them. Um, I just yeah, it kind of does my head in a bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't have that that sort of problem. Um, yep. Because usually, if I've got one on here, I've got five or six on at the one time. It seems to be if one comes on, the whole lot are on, and, which is pretty good. You know, it's pretty good. Yep. But uh, 
you get it all over and done with at the one time. But um, when it rains, it pours. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's it, right? But uh, but apart from that, no. Um, yeah, I just think bitches are easier to teach. No, fantastic. Um, is there any hidden talent or hobby you have that most dog people wouldn't know about? I just didn't quite get that one. Um, yeah. Away from dogs, do you have any like hidden talents or hobbies that most people wouldn't know about? Oh, uh, well, a lot of people wouldn't know that I was a good camp drafter. I traveled, yeah. traveled a lot of places where as a young fella um, camp drafting. And also we showed Murray Grey cattle for nearly 25 years. As the family was growing up, they kept grandma and grandpa together and, and the two girls and my son and Narelle and I together. And, you know, we'd wash the cattle the day before and away to the show and trials <laughs> and camp, camp out with them. And, yeah, went to Brisbane a couple of times, Sydney once. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but um, no, I'm, Jack of all trades, master of none. That'd be the best <laughs> way of saying it. There's nothing I haven't had to go at. I've been a manager of macadamia farm. Um, it's amazing what you can learn pretty quickly if you've got got no money and you want to want to want a few hundred dollars to come in. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, I was a scrap metal dealer for three years. I used to travel around with a truck. Yep. buy all the scrap and, and then head back to the um, Brisbane depot with it. Um, yeah, I've um, been around a dairy farm for five years. Yeah, well, that was when the recession hit. We were just married, 72, and uh, the recession hit. And um, nobody wanted us then. So, um, uh, yeah, I went dairy farming. I didn't mind it actually, but my wife didn't like getting out of bed in the wee hours of the morning, so she went back nursing. <laughs> she went back nursing. <laughs> uh, if if there's uh, anyone you'd like us to sit down and have a chat with, Robert, who would that be? Who would that be? Uh, the probably the, the the most entertaining old bloke to talk to is Snow Ellis, and Snow no. Ellis. Snow Ellis is a dog trialer, um, been a pig man, uh, an excellent water diviner. There's probably nothing he hasn't done either. He's, he's sort of very, very handy man, knows how to prepare veilers for the butchers, prepares veilers, uh, say six or eight veilers every month for a set butcher. Um, and he used to know the breeding and the bloodlines of all the dogs. Yep. Uh, and that is one thing I can't remember is bloodlines of dogs. I've got to go and look at the book and even half the dogs I've got myself, I've got to go and look. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I put that down to old age, but um, uh, I've never been really good at it. And it's the same as uh, people's names. It takes me a while to get to know. Once I know you, that's fine. I couldn't get it in my head that you were Daniel, see, so. Yeah. <laughs> I have that effect on people, mate. I'm not very memorable. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, that's about the size of what I what I get up to. But, um, um, no. If there's something you'd like to see on, um, on our website, mate, what would that be? Well, I think what you're doing, 
at the moment is fantastic. We've yep. just got to, be able, got to be able to work out how to get onto that site a little bit easier than what it is. And surely surely it can be made a little easier yep. uh, to get onto that site so that if somebody rings up and says, Robert, um, one of your mates is on, you can just go in and press one button and, and you've got it, you know. Yeah. I, I'm, pro I'm probably pretty lazy these days, and that's why I had to call my wife to come and help me set this up. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, oh, we get there, we get there. But um, I, I, lo I love that stock magazine. I really think that's fantastic. I'm just, yeah, I hope you can pull the keep the reins down a little bit, keep the price down so I can keep it going. That's <laughs> the only place. That's the only place I advertise. Yep. Um, everything else I sell is either repeat buyers or word of mouth. Yep. And um, that's that's as good as I can get it. And uh, I don't know, I, I've had one pup in the Tamworth sale and I was going to only because a bloke rang up nicely at Burner, which is just over the border in Queensland. Uh, in August, he wanted me to put a dog and a bitch in the sale. And he said, I've bought a lot of dogs off you. Come on, you've got to support me. And I said, all right, I'll put two in the sale. Then we couldn't get across the border, so they postponed the sale. So uh, I don't even put dogs in sales. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's all, it's all good fun. And um, what you're doing, what you're doing is, is fantastic. I, I couldn't think of anything to tell you to do that you aren't already doing. No, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for the feedback, mate. And great people to talk to. That's, that's a big plus. Oh, we try. I don't know about her, but <laughs> she'll whack me as soon as we get off here. She punch me in the side of the head. You'd be lost without it, I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah, it needs something to keep me in check. Every successful man is a good woman. Yeah, well, I, lucky she's only like a little sister, mate, so I don't have to listen to everything she tells me. <laughs> I'm still big enough and ugly enough to make my own decisions, apparently. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, Rob, we had a few questions there tonight, mate. Was there anything that stood out? Um, anything that you remember to um, win our bag of Enduro dog food? Yeah, I reckon that one was a pretty interesting one that I couldn't answer with the young gentleman in the wheelchair as to what he should have. And you helped think... me answer that one. And I reckon that was a pretty cluey and pretty clever little question to put out there. Yeah. yeah, mate, that's, um, that was great. That was Josh Parker. So, Josh, don't hesitate, mate. Get us in contact with us and uh, we'll get a bag of uh, Enduro Plus Working Dog food on its way to you, mate. Well, we'd like to thank you tonight, Robert, for jumping on and having a chat with us. We really appreciate it. That's, and, my, that's my pleasure. I hope I was, uh, you know, good enough for you to, yeah, to not get into trouble or do more than, more than more than good. Hold on, mate. She hasn't let you off the hook. She hasn't let you off the hook just yet. I have one more question for you. Okay. If you had to choose between fighting twenty ducks the size of horses, that or one duck, through. that never comes through at all. Never heard. No, that. that's all right. If you had to choose between fighting twenty ducks the size of horses, or one duck the size of a horse, what one would you choose? I could have understood that properly, but um, <laughs> would you like me to say it again? Yeah, if you don't mind, yeah. Yeah, no, that's all right. It, would you prefer to fight twenty ducks the size of horses, or one duck the size of a horse? 
Oh, one horse the size of a duck. Sorry, it's very confusing. One horse the size of a duck. No, I'd handle 20. Yeah. You got covered? Yeah. I'd be able to cover that. Yeah. With or without dogs? No, with dogs. With dogs? I'd probably use seven or eight dogs at the one time. And all under control. And all under control. Yeah. Well, there you have it. It, it's, um, I'll just finish on, on a note for you. I was at a trial out the other side of Tamworth, very late in the afternoon. The boys had all had a fair few beers under their belt and I was the last Never. competitor. And I was the last competitor for the afternoon and I was having all sorts of problems. So the boys raced up to my ute and let every one of the dogs out. <laughs> and these dogs all come from nowhere. <laughs> I put my hand up. Sorry, sir. But I, I said, but can I finish the course? So I went over and started again with the eight dogs and put them around the obstacles and then put them away. Yeah, that was probably one of the best achievements I ever did. So now I make that a practice. When I'm finished, yeah. tra- when I'm finished my training days, I let them all go and um, put the cattle away, put the last lot of cattle away with the whole lot of the dogs. So that's why I say I wouldn't be frightened to take 20 on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, there you go, guys. And, Robert, thanks again for your time tonight, mate. We really appreciate it. Uh, And if anyone, everyone out there, please remember we learn every day, and the day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Have a great evening. That's dead set for sure. 100%. (laughs) Have a great evening, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.